Welcome back, everybody, to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. I'm Bethany Pedigo, and I'm here with my friend Rod Ellis, and we're so glad that you're joining us today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with us today. I absolutely love what we are tackling today, not who we're tackling, we're not tackling anybody. <laughs> we're, Football's over. We are, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this we're recording this right after the Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah. Sorry, Chiefs fans. It yeah. was a rough game. It was. <laughs> but way to uh, go, Tampa Bay fans. It was a great game. So yeah. it's all about perspective, right? Yes, it is. And so is this topic, actually. Today we're talking about children in leadership or in ministry functions. Um is it okay, is it ever okay to have children in a position on the stage, helping to lead worship, um, helping to do scripture presentations, lead prayer? Um, there's probably lots of different ways that um, children maybe can be included in worship planning and in worship services. And the question is, should we, when should we, when should we not? And this is dear, very near and dear to my heart because I have three children who um, currently are ages, let's say younger than 13. And um, I've often desired for them to be given opportunities to serve in some capacity. For example, my son helped me lead worship um, a year ago at a kid's camp that I, I do worship for in the summers. And he took that responsibility so seriously. He practiced with me, he knew all of the songs and he led several of the songs by himself. And it was absolutely beautiful. So the question is, when is it okay? And when is it not okay? And is this something that you have thought about before when you're planning worship? Yeah, that is the question. And it's important, I think, more than anything to think about it and then act on what your thoughts are. So think deeply, think thoroughly, think in conversation with others in your context, because we've titled this How Young is Too Young, and there is an age at which it's probably too young where you serve. That, of course, depends on where you serve. And so you have to know the culture of your place of service. You have to understand the dynamics at play. When I was at my first full-time church in Columbus, Ohio, when the world was still in black and white and dinosaurs roamed the earth, <laughs> I really wanted, <laughs> well, okay, they were distinct, but um, extinct, but uh, yeah. Um, actually, I think some of those dinosaurs were deacons in that church, but that's an entirely different story. <gasps> I'm totally kidding. Um, we're going to have to come back and clip that out. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm really kidding. I, lo I loved all of those deacons and deaconesses in that particular church. Uh, it's an American Baptist congregation in Ohio, and I really wanted to have a student, a teenager, on the worship committee. And mm. I was told that it was not possible to have a teenager on the, under 18 on the worship committee because they made decisions that affected the finances of the church. And according to the the um, law in the state of Ohio, you have to be 18 to be a part of an organization who makes decisions about budget 
issues in the, the organization. So it really would have been illegal and Whoa. therefore immoral for us to have a teenager yes. on that committee in that context. Well, I had no idea that that was true. And so I just tossed out a name and I had to learn that about my context. So there are things right. about all of us and where we serve that just make it wise to go in with an idea, not an agenda. And mm-hmm. to say, could I have this person do this? If you've been where you're serving, you know, for five years or more, you probably know. But if, if it's really like even just two or three years in, there may be considerations that you're not aware of that would make it wise to ask the senior pastor or some senior lay leaders or some people that have been there a long time. But I think, if anything, we really err on the other side of that equation. One of my very favorite things about Woodburn Baptist Church when I came here, this is, of course, pre-pandemic when we could pass the offering plates is that children would be ushers with their parents. And so the family would own a Sunday. Like we're going to take up the offering this this week as a family. And there Mm. would be probably as young as four or five years old who were passing offering plates. And it just kind of screamed to first time guests that this church values family. Now we also had other folks who were taking up the offering who were single and divorced Mm -hmm and mm-hmm. who were of different skin color. And, and so really everybody in, in our context that was a part of our church was welcome to serve in that way. But the one that was shocking was the fact that there would be a kindergartner who would right. take the offering plate from the end of one pew and hand it to the beginning of another pew. But it was mm-hmm. so beautiful. And very early in that development, some of those children would say the prayer over the offering. Mm-hmm. And so I heard seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds offer a prayer of thanksgiving for the offering and my goodness what in a beautiful formational role that can be for a child and and i miss that i miss that about the pandemic and i just miss that about the way we do church right now mm-hmm. i do think there are dozens of other ways that we can incorporate children into worship leadership but that's just one example of where in one church there was a hard no because of a legal issue and in another church there was a hard yes because of a values issue. And it's important to be able to understand the difference and navigate that in your ministry where you serve. And I think it's really hard for young people, especially teenagers, um, to be told no when they desire to serve Mm -hmm. in in a capacity. That makes sense, right? Right. Yeah. And the ones that it's hard to say no to are the ones that I feel especially motivated to find a way for them to serve. So even though in that church in Columbus, Ohio, um, this young man wasn't able to be on the music committee, he was able to be a part, excuse me, a part of a lay leadership team for the youth choir tour that we took. Mm-hmm. And I was able to help develop him as a leader through his function in that volunteer role where he didn't have any legal risk on, on his own behalf or that as a family or the church. And so I just wanted to find a way, every way, every way that I could to develop him as a leader. And I, I think looking back over 30 years of worship leadership, it's been a consistent trademark of my ministry that I have always used people who were a little bit younger than some people were comfortable with to serve in some capacity in the worship ministry, including um, our interim cafe student worship leader here at Woodburn, Emma Tuggle, whose family started the first day I started um, in 2013. Um, 
when I guess she would have been something like 13 years old. Oh. And within the first six months, she was on the platform singing with her brother and her mother and me as a part of the vocal team. And now mm-hmm. she is at some level called to be a worship leader and serving in a significant role of leadership in our church. And she just grew up as if that's normal. So mm-hmm. now that she's 19, it's easy. And, and I love the fact that at 19, it's easy. Not at the 19, she's trying to figure out if I can or not. But yeah, that's because she grew up just so that this became normalized. And that's mm-hmm. just one of the many reasons I love the idea of um, of using young people, perhaps younger than you would think, in leading worship at church. Yeah, I, I was a worship leader when I was 19 and nobody on the team was older than me by about a year. <laughs> we were mm-hmm. all college students. Uh, and we were the worship team for the church. And uh, my pastor, we've talked to him before, Jeff Oaks. Mm-hmm. He made that seem really normal. And, and I, he really took seriously his commitment to um, mentor us as leaders. We were not just musicians who just, you know, got up there and did, did our thing. Um, being a part of the worship ministry meant that we were expected to lead the congregation and we were expected to grow. Um, in our own faith and as leaders. And I think that's the most precious gift that you can give to a young person is giving them some responsibility that they can handle because it enables them to grow personally in their faith and it enables them to grow as a leader. What were a couple of the ways specifically that you remember him mentoring you and the others who were leading who were in that age group? We were all um, enrolled in a discipleship class, so it it really wasn't uh, optional. (laughs) So we had to go through actually um, a two-semester class in basic discipleship, and it was, you know, pretty similar to other basic discipleship type um, materials that I've seen. We all took spiritual giftings tests and personality tests and um, learned really good basic theology. Um, And we tried out ministering in our hometown. We did some outreaches and then we went on a mission trip as a class. We went to Scotland um, and helped uh, put on a worship conference um, as Mm. part of that class. And we were also sent to any relevant training. So if there was somebody coming in to a sister church from out of town who was wise in those things. We were sent to have a small group session with that worship leader, or we went to several conferences, um, worship together conferences and things like that. It was, it was awesome. It was amazing. How how was that expectation communicated? Was it required? Was it just assumed? Was it an invitation? I really hope you can come. Do you remember, it's been, you know, more than two or three years ago, but do you remember <laughs> more <laughs> than three? It's more than two more, or three kids ago. Um, more than 20, so, more than 20. Um, yeah, you know, it, it is hard to remember. <laughs> I'm not remembering this very well. Um, I just think it was, it was expected and, and it was just clear. Like, hey, this is the next thing for you as the worship leader to do, you know, as, as yeah. being a part of this ministry. And I, I will say also, I was expected to be also mentoring and training people as a worship leader to 
raise up people who wanted to lead worship as well. So that was, again, it wasn't like on paper. It wasn't given to me like, here's your job description, because it was all volunteer. (laughs) Um, I didn't have that like uh, written out. But um, I was definitely expected to replace myself in a way. And actually, we did eventually develop another entirely separate worship team that we then rotated uh, two weekends a month on, two weekends mm-hmm. off. And then eventually we had three teams. So then we just rotated through the three completely separate teams. Yeah, that, that is a healthy model of reproduction. We probably need a whole lot more of us being intentional about that. Um, yeah, I, one of my favorite memories of Christmas is your three children standing on the platform with us leading uh, in a Sunday morning service. Because of the pandemic, we can't have a children's choir, but we could have three siblings standing next <laughs> to each other, socially distant from other people, but close to each other. Uh, and, and they just brought a whole level of energy that is missing otherwise. And part of that's because they're your kids and the way that you and your husband are raising them to follow Jesus passionately. But some of that is just, it is the brilliant life-giving presence of children. And the children in our listeners' congregations can do the same kind of thing and bring the same kind of dynamic if we will just take a few extra minutes to figure out how to make that work. Um, Again, Woodburn is a, what's our subtitle of our podcast? Worship for the Real Church. Woodburn is a real church. We we are not a mega church. We don't have a children's ministry music worship coordinator who puts all this stuff together. (laughs) It was just one of your kids saying, hey, when when do we get to sing again, which planted the idea in my head. (laughs) And then I listened to the recording and I thought, oh, my gosh, there's a children's choir on this song. Why that maybe this is the week and tossed it out to you. And it wasn't a whole lot of work. It was just an awareness. And I think if we believe that um, anybody who believes what they're singing and is more of a contribution than a distraction, then they are able to serve and worship leadership. And I think that's an important dividing line. And again, that dividing line is different for different people in different cultures and different churches. Um, One of the things that we kind of loosely consider here, and I say that because there's no policy, but, you know, if the point of having a child on stage is so that parents and grandparents smile (laughs) at their child being on stage, that's one kind of level of serving and worship. But if having a child on stage is something that would make their parents and grandparents think about Jesus and God would smile, that's a whole different level of what their function can be. And I'm not saying that both aren't welcome. It's just, you know, having preschoolers who aren't able to articulate much stand on stage and look cute at Christmas is a worthy endeavor. But having (laughs) a handful or two or three handfuls of elementary age children who have come to some level of understanding about salvation and who Jesus is and what that means for the world stand on stage and sing or proclaim scripture or pray is a whole nother level. And we're not even talking about teenagers yet, but my goodness, when one of the most formative things about my upbringing in, in ministry or toward ministry is in the youth group I grew up in starting in seventh grade, we did a week Uh, every year called Youth Week, and the students between 7th and 12th grades were expected to fill every leadership role in the church for a given Sunday. Mm. 
And so every Sunday school class had a student who taught it. The ushers were all students and they were trained in how to pass the offering plate because that's orderly, you know, at least it was in the 70s and 80s where I grew up. Uh, and then my first opportunity leading singing was, I think, in eighth grade when I was the minister of music for the week. And I stood up in front of the congregation with my knees knocking and my voice trembling and led them to sing. And, and the, at, again, this is forever ago, but the, the minister of music then taught me how to conduct a basic four four pattern so that I could conduct victory in Jesus in a way that the congregation would think is familiar. We don't do things like that anymore, but the point is that training mm -hmm. was built into the rhythm of the year. And it was just one week a year. It started on Monday. We shadowed them all week long. And then it culminated on Sunday with us leading in worship. And so they would teach, like the Sunday school teachers would meet with the students and say, this is how I prepare to teach a lesson. And those years where I grew up in, in Erlanger Baptist Church in Erlanger, Kentucky, somewhere in a, in a 10 or 12 year span, there were probably 20 of us who went to full-time missions or ministry and I think that whole concept of Youth Week was a big part of that because we were entrusting leadership to teenagers. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I was, I was a church geek. So I was the minister of music two different youth weeks and I was the preacher one youth week and a Sunday school <laughs> teacher one week and a, an usher one week. And, you know, I just covered the gamut of it, but it set me up on a trajectory to be a leader in the church. Yeah. And I don't say that because I am a leader. I say that because we have thousands and thousands of students in our churches who could also be set up on a trajectory to be leaders in the church of today and tomorrow and next week and next year. And I just, I, I want to do more of that. I, and I'm not great at it. I, I'm not talking to, to you, Bethany, or to our listeners as an expert. I'm talking to us as people who need to remind one another and encourage one another. And I want to do this more and I want to do it better. Yes. Yep. So we've you given, <clears throat> we've given some examples you know, praying, being a part of the offering, even singing on the stage, certainly. Um, however, I think a lot of people would say definitely the line is teaching, right? Like children mm -hmm. or teenagers even probably shouldn't be teaching. Um, but like you said, uh, in, during your youth week, a teenager was actually preaching the message on a Sunday morning. And I, I wanted to briefly mention an opportunity um, that included children teaching um, that actually COVID ruined, but <laughs> it's still going to happen at some point. So yeah. uh, last year in August, um, I, I felt the Lord really stirring me to try something new. And that was to start a worldview conference for basically middle school age to early high school age. So nine to 14 was our, our target age for the conference. And it was going to be a conference on a Friday night and all day Saturday. We are going to have six main sessions during that time, two on Friday, four on Saturday. And I contacted a friend of mine. She's a vineyard uh, lady named Carolyn and she has been doing this ministering with her family for many years. She has a 14-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old son that she wanted to bring to this conference. And one of our first sessions on Friday night was going to be about identity in Christ. Basically, you know, when we become followers of Jesus, our, our entire identity changes and we receive a right. new identity. 
Uh, we're no longer enemies of God. We're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. We are now, you know, heirs and co-heirs with Christ and all that good stuff. And she said, I can come and I can teach this, but honestly, my daughter, Ava, has a real revelation about this. Mm. And I would like you to consider allowing her to teach. And I said, yes. Actually, I burst into tears first. <laughs> and then I said, yes. Um, and then she, the one of the sessions on Saturday was on hearing the voice of the Lord. How do we hear the Lord speak to us in prayer and in the word and things like that. And her son, Gray, who's 11, she said, I would love to have him facilitate that session with me. And I absolutely said, yes, absolutely. I was so excited. Unfortunately, we were not able to actually have the first Young Leaders Conference in August, but I do have great hopes that it will happen at some point in the future. I hope so too. And I have, since you first told me about that, um, gosh, a year ago, uh, I've been excited about the concept. I, I, the whole identity in Christ concept uh, as a belief system is essential and missing in many of our churches. But to think that children get to grow into that identity and start out their teenage years knowing who they are in Christ is a game changer. And if they can articulate it, they understand it far more deeply than if they can just understand it. Yes. And that's why having someone who has some level of um, gifting and, and capability to communicate, as long as they are a believer and they are coached well to serve the body mm -hmm. of Christ well and glorify God and all of those things, then they can be. Um, yes. Then I, I don't, in, in, the, in the general evangelical population, I don't see where the great objection would be. Now, in, in some of the more liturgical places where ordination is required and those sorts of things, I understand and honor that. And, and I'm not upset about the fact that they have a difference of opinion. But I think it's more incumbent upon those of us who are in this free church tradition, but not maximizing the gifting of, of our young people. Um, we just, I, I think, could rethink that and benefit from those thoughts. Just one more one more comment, and then I'm out, unless you have another question for me, Bethany. Um, my one more comment is this. So much of what I do on Sunday morning now, I do well because I've done it thousands of times, which means I had to first do it hundreds of times, which means before that I had to do it dozens of times, and before that I just had to do it sometimes. And we, we are lacking uh, in, in the kingdom of, of God in North America right now. We are lacking good worship leaders because we have not given reps r-e-p-s we've not given mm -hmm. reps to young worship leaders so that they can develop we, we put them up there once every year or once every six months and just don't understand why they're not getting better well they need to get some reps in right. they just need to stand up there and discover how to fumble through their speech so that they can then become reasonably articulate and they need to know oh yeah i should put a note on my music to put the capo on because after they've messed it up once they're probably not going to do it again but they're going to probably have to mess it up once and that just comes from from repetition and once those start to happen then you see a bit of a snowball effect and at some point sooner than you might expect and, and by that I mean after a couple of handfuls maybe of opportunities they start to have a level of comfort that those of us who have been doing this for a while we just assume and, and we forget mm -hmm. what it was like to be terrified 
and they'll get over that terror, especially if God's placed a call on their life. They, they will get there. Um, our job is to help. And I love the idea of simply giving young people the opportunity to get some reps in. So identify them, uh, go digging for them, find them, um, invite them, compel them, challenge them, excite them, energize them, encourage them, inspire them, all of the things that you can do so that you can find whoever it is that wants to be the next pianist or guitar player or preacher or spoken word artist or whatever the thing is and just do everything you can to cultivate that in them. I think it's part of the responsibility and privilege of leadership. And how young is too young? It depends. It does depend. I would say however young, when, when they can't do it effectively for their age, then they're probably too young. And effectiveness yeah. is a difficult word to define, but I, I think that's a, that's a fair way to think about this. How, how can somebody do this effectively for their age? And if, if they're in first grade and they're just not there yet, give them a year and coach them along the way. And you may be shocked at what they can do in second grade. One of my best sound techs ever was 13. Yeah. And he was just incredible. And, and I will never forget Kennerly. He was amazing. And 13, but he was, he was great. So I, I suspect there may be some people in your ministry listener who are waiting on you to hear this podcast so that you can invite them in and it will be life-changing for them. It might be life-changing for you. And it Absolutely. might be life-giving, might be life-giving for your congregation. Bethany, any Absolutely. last thoughts about all that? Well, Jesus said, let the children come. <laughs> yeah. Let them come. Don't keep them from coming. And, and this is a great way for us to do that, to invite them, to include them, and to have extra grace for them. And this is, of course, why we do the podcast because if you use these people well employ them well um, deploy them well then you'll find that more souls in your congregation are singing because there's something beautiful about being led by a child i think isaiah had something to say about that so let, let us encourage you listener to find some ways to do that i really do think it's going to bless your socks off and make you a hero in the lives of many parents and grandparents and church members and lay leaders and pastoral team members and all kinds of folks. If you can find a way to dial into this and I'm committing afresh today, even as we record this, um, I've, I've made notes. I, I can't wait to try to think of some ways that we can do this in the next few weeks here at Woodburn Baptist church. So thank you for listening. We hope this helps your church be more real than ever so that more souls